0: Hello and welcome to let the bird fly a podcast about living freely in a world given back to us. This is Wade here in the podcast studio with the air conditioning running and I apologize but uh it's like 90 out, isn't it gentlemen? It's hot again. And uh I'm not turning that off. I've been all day in my little uh, 2000 S10 with no AC and uh, old-fashioned AC. Yeah, I'm going to uh, I'm going to enjoy this AC while I can um, and I'm not going to be fun if, if we turn it off and I get miserable. <laughs> so uh, we are here in the podcast studio, the three of us. Our last episode probably that, well, second to last, last, um, that we'll be recording before the semester officially begins. Uh, Provost Day, where we go through all the, the important stuff about uh, not getting the college sued or getting fired, uh, is is this week, which I am I'm going to miss because I'm going to be taking my oldest son uh, back to his college uh out of state jason and mike i'm sure will fill me in on anything important that is covered there though and then august 28th we're going that's right it's the first day of the semester start running live yeah summer went quick jason had his grad school stuff uh I'm sure that flew by. Michael's been out doing Michael things, presenting, being part of important institutes, all that good stuff.
1: I just got my last. Always about you. Book I said list. your thing. Uh, well, I was just going to say, yeah. I just turned in the corner from one semester to the next because got my book list finally for the second class I'm taking. Okay.
0: Anything else you want to say about yourself, Jason?
1: Um. No, I think I'm good. I mean, I could come up with stuff if you
0: really Anything want. Anything you want to say about Jason, Michael? Nope. Okay. And I've been busy. So, anyways. You have summer's been. winding down. It went quickly. Um, and uh, we're back at it, though. We, uh, I think we had an episode out last week. And hopefully I can get this one out this week so we won't miss a week. Because what tends to happen if we miss a week is, you know, what we then miss? What do we miss, Michael? We miss two weeks. Yeah, and then sometimes if we miss two weeks, we we miss three, and we don't want that to happen. We're going to try to stay on top of things, and so we uh, we are going to have at this. Uh, Let the bird fly is part of the fifteen seventeen podcasting network. Encourage you to go to fifteen seventeen dot org and check out all the good stuff that they have available for your perusal there. Um, the Faith and Reason Academy course, we've mentioned a number of times, is now out. The fundraiser went well. Um, and uh, information about those things are in the show notes. There was... Oh, I do. I printed it off so I would not forget. Yeah. Um, so before the disclaimer, I will go ahead and, and read this. Um, before we start this episode... Uh Let the Bird Fly would like to thank our listeners for partnering with us during our annual podcast fundraiser. Together listeners like you joined the 15 <clears throat> join the 1517 podcast network in raising $68,000 in support of our podcasting efforts. I'm going to guess at least 50 grand of that was probably from our listeners. Does that seem fair, guys?
1: I that might be conservative, I they, think. They but, always yeah. say
0: about our demographic it has it has deep pockets. <laughs> Financial support maintains and builds the 1517 Podcast Network's ability to declare and defend the good news that you are forgiven and free on account of Christ alone in every episode. Please help us continue our mission by filling out the brief survey located in the show notes, and I will plug that in there. Thank you again for your continued support of the 1517 Podcast Network. With that, Michael, how about you go ahead and give us our disclaimer?
2: This show doesn't speak for our churches, our church bodies, or our employers, to be honest. Much of the time, it probably doesn't speak for us. We will be thinking out loud a lot, so approach what you hear with a healthy skepticism, because, well, as a responsible resident of planet Earth, that's probably what you should generally do with almost everything. If you find yourself getting too worked up, tune out, look around, and realize you were just listening to a podcast. That's right, a podcast. So go live free, friends. And don't let us get in the way.
0: And that brings us to our free-for-all where we discuss the pressing issues of the day. And I figure we can keep this a short one. But uh, every year we do our MLB predictions, and we had done that earlier in the season. And uh, it's not really going well for any of our, our teams. Jason's team may, has, probably will make the playoffs, but we all know they're going to get kicked so, right away. Has uh, yeah, has Yeah, only because they're the least bad team. Yeah. And, and I'm hoping that a they, bad central. you know,
1: are able to peak just at the right time. They
0: also have been getting spanked by my Tigers overall this year, too. They, yeah, way.
1: the Tigers have okay. been a thorn to them.
0: So I just thought we could brainstorm, especially, Michael, you and me, uh, since your Cardinals are doing even worse than the Tigers. Baseball's a stupid game. Right, and, and that's the free-for-all. Why is baseball stupid? And, I and I let's just like spitball it. things that we think are stupid about baseball. I don't like it anymore. <laughs> yeah, what are some reasons we don't like baseball?
2: Actually, I love it. I still watch it. Yeah, but just
0: this. just for fun, we say some things we don't like. <laughs>
2: So, I think, um, here, here's one, not necessarily about the game itself, because the one thing that would come to mind about the game itself um, would be, like, a squib hit, an infield hit. That doesn't seem to be Oh, fair, I like those. But that's actually the beauty of the yeah. game, right? Now, the modern game, I think, relying too much on the home run and the strikeout, but whatever, it's changed a little bit. About baseball fans and culture, this is what I get irritated about. Twins? Me too. Twins. <laughs> they uh, get all worked up about, like, sportsmanship. Now, there's always going to be going too far in every sport, yep. right? And I get that, that the league, no matter what league it is, has to have some rules and clamp down. I get that. That's all fine. And there are things that, are, that, that go overboard that are showing people up or whatever. And I kind of like, you know, then you get hit, you know, and you get plunked the next time, whatever. But what bothers me is the hypocrisy because baseball is the only sport that it has within its rules and within its culture going back decades, has uh where you show off. Like I struck somebody out with nobody on base, let's throw the ball around. So you can't then just be you can't then all of a sudden be like, oh the guy tossed the bat, that's terrible. Yeah. You when the guy strikes out, you throw it around. Or just the fact that the guy has to run around the bases for a home run. You know I mean? Like, well, he has to touch all the bases, whatever. But you could, you know, like the intentional <laughs> walk, you just let it go. So built in the game itself, you have, like, showing off. Mm-hmm. So I get, I, I get a little irritated when people are, like, uh, you know, people are showing off too
0: much. Yeah, I got three here. Okay. Um, streaming. If I have the MLB TV, which I do to watch the Tigers, I should not have to miss them when because they're on the Amazon, place. they're on Apple, they're yeah. whatever. Get it figured out, MLB. Mm-hmm. Um, don't make us have 18 streaming services to watch. Secondly, this is happening in college football, too. Yeah, mm. yes. Secondly, pitch clock. I like it when the game is on TV. I do not like it when I'm at the game. Um, games go super quick when you actually go to the game and you're sitting down and going now. So I like it, but I also don't mm-hmm. like I it. I love it in both cases. I really, I, it was a good move. Anyway, Man. go ahead. I, don't, I guess it doesn't bother as much if I'm going to Comerica Park where I've been a bunch of times. But, like, when you're at a stadium you haven't been at before and the game's moving that quick, that's not, no. Third, stadiums. What happened to just the old classic stadiums? We're going to have a stadium. We're going to be in that stadium. That's going to be our thing, our identity for a long time. Here in Milwaukee, they're already talking about the state or the counties having to come up with money if we're going to keep the brewers here. I mean, I don't think they'd go anywhere, but keep the brewers here and stuff like that. Um, now, to be fair, this is for repairs to Miller Park. Um, but I think you shouldn't be able to change the names. Bam, fam, whatever else. It should be a non-commercial name. You shouldn't be able to get sponsorships for these names. Although, what was, was the Cardinals always Bush?
2: Because the owners were Bush.
0: Okay, so that's that's acceptable then. Miller Park? It shouldn't be Miller Park unless it's... Or it has to be that forever. You're buying a lifetime sponsorship.
2: Yeah, I, that's it. But it, but I
0: think I think it should be you only get to build two stadiums every hundred years, so do it right. <laughs> build something with character. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. And then the team's locked into that stadium. Yeah. You make the deal. You're there. Um, I don't. I don't like the names changing all the time. I mean, what did the Rangers had? They had one stadium for like three years, and then they I, built another Atlanta one. Atlanta too
2: Atlanta had a quick turnaround. Yeah, time.
0: they did. Yeah. That'd be my three right now. All right, Jason.
1: Uh, I don't. I. I don't have too much that I'm. This
0: dude's not good at that. Liking things except
1: work. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. I. I would say that. All right, uh,
0: I'm gonna say another one. Okay. Baseball stadium hot dog quality has gone way down in my opinion. Really, I oh. think it's gone up. Um, I think if you go to certain stands where they're like the gimmick stands. Yeah. But just mm. like you're going, you're getting your regular hot dog. Yeah. Ah. Okay. I also think no two baseball stadiums should be allowed to have the same hot dog brand. Your hot dogs and your brat should have to be a local company. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and then you, you're you experiencing something different everywhere you go. Sure.
1: I, I think this is one thing that I've just kind of recently discovered and was a little disappointed about it. Um, I was thinking, you know, you should be able to listen. You should be able to listen on the radio at least. The radio feed, wherever you are in the country, because I uh, wanted to listen to. I thought, oh, maybe I'll, I'll I'll turn on now that you have this these smart speakers and stuff. Turn on a Minnesota radio station so I can listen to the Twins, and it, it flat out says yep. you can't listen to this right now they make because it do you're yeah, and um, I mean TV, I get it, but the radio feed. Why can't why can't that just be available? I
0: feel you. Oh, I'm gonna add another one to my list, and this is Tiger specific. Our our TV announcers, are terrible. Ever since Mario and Rod, you remember they got in that fight, they strangled each other over a chair, <laughs> and they both got fired. They were like through the the classic Tiger years. They were just the best announcers, and now it's just uh, it's just not good. Um, I miss. Like the days of, like, classic announcers. Yeah. You know, it seems like there's not as many of those anymore. What, you got Dodgers? Vince Scully. Yeah. Um, Who else? What other teams really have? I I mean, besides the Brewers, but even... The New York guy. He's he's not every game, I don't think. Harry
2: Carey. Yeah, Harry Carey. Jack Buck, uh, who was the guy for San Francisco that did Sunday Night Baseball for many years in the 90s. He was great. And I don't know if it's just
0: the radio's not as big now. (laughs) Well, but I the Tigers—I really mean—it's their TV is worse than their radio. It's just yeah, but but there is something when I I had to
1: be in Minnesota to move my daughter to school um, this last week, and uh, they they actually had I I got a chance to listen to a couple of the game the Twins games as well as watch one or two of them, um, and uh, they actually had a thing on the the radio a uh, a uh, commercial type of thing like that. This was the sound of summer, and they had these guys that were. John Gordon was the twins guy on the radio forever, and uh, you know it's like yeah, you hear that, and it just, I mean, yeah, at how 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 long that they were established, but now like more recently, I mean, the guys that they have are pretty good, but they've turned over. It's it just so is, quickly, yeah. yeah. Um,
2: Little well known fact: Harry Carey was a uh, was the radio guy for the Cardinals longer than he was for the Cubs. Really? Really? The Cardinals, and then he got fired, and the rumor is is because he had an affair with the grandson of or the granddaughter of uh, one of the, the Bush family, and then he went to Oakland for a year, then was White Sox and then Cubs.
0: Kind huh. Now his
2: grandson is as Chip is now calling the Cardinals on TV. Nice. Last thing about baseball, the economics got to change. Because right. I was going to say salary cap. Yeah. Do you like it or not like it? Well, you got to do something because a team like Pittsburgh or Milwaukee, they, they don't, they just don't have a chance.
0: You know what's amazing though is that the Yankees can be as bad as they are right now. Yeah. With all the money they have to throw at stuff, and the Padres right. threw all this money and it didn't. It's no not good. guaranteed.
2: Right. I, it's not guaranteed. And I course. loved
0: when when Mister I was throwing money for the Tigers. Yeah. He was just throwing that pizza, pizza money, yeah. boom, making it rain. <laughs> there right. should
2: be some. There should be some. Uh, you know, this team is going to put more money into the other. Team. I mean, there's a, there's a little bit of a sense of competition. There. More like the NFL. But you gotta. You, at at some point, you have to. You have to let uh, some of these other teams be competitive, and and I think it's a t- it's a tough balance. But baseball is. Baseball is on the way side, of the other side of spectrum of the NFL, right? And I think the NFL is maybe a little bit too much. Right, yeah. Um, too much of a, a... Welfare state. Yeah. So um, somewhere in between, but the NBA, which has, the, which has a nice thing of like, okay, you can get paid more if you stick with your whatever team... But there again, I mean, there's the halves and the half nots even more so in the NBA. So I yeah. don't know what that. Well, means.
0: and another thing with all these sports is the difference in like taxation in different states. Yep. Well, so you get some states where there's no income tax. Florida, Texas, that yep. become you know huge draw. And I don't know, I don't know how you balance um, that out. But I do think it. Uh,
2: but then again, that has not turned into like all the Florida teams and Texas teams keep winning. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah. That's enough.
0: Okay. Well, uh, we've talked about baseball. And with that, we will go ahead and we will make our way to our main topic. brings us to our main topic um, and we had gotten an email not too long ago which I forwarded to Mike and Jason and I don't have my computer in here so I can't get into the podcast email. I don't know if you guys have that handy somewhere we could give a shout out to the person who emailed um, it was a college student and he's in his senior year um, he had some kind words to say about the podcast and then he talked about the idea of, uh, community, perhaps, being a good episode idea, and and I think that one, we got to build up to because uh, I think we should read Bonhoeffer stuff um, to talk community. I think some uh, something from Life Together would be really good. So I, I think we'll be getting to that. But my thought was, for today, uh, we could talk about a community and namely talk about church. Um, what is the church? And that question can be approached in a, a lot of different ways. What I what I don't mean is, you know, I'm I'm going to church, um, a set building or, or something like that. But what makes church church? Uh Jason did manage to uh pull that up and thank you, Sam, for getting me thinking on that, uh, and helping me with this uh episode idea. Uh and he's at University of Nebraska Lincoln. Uh so what do we say? Go Huskers? Is that?
2: Go Big Red, I think. Is Go thing. Big Red.
0: Go Big Red, yeah. I should have known that. Go Big Red, except against Michigan State, Michigan, or Minnesota. But Mike, you, you're probably a big Nebraska fan. You and you and Michigan and Nebraska got to hold hands for a national championship. Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no? Michael looks upset. All right, well, thank you to Sam <laughs> for that, but I thought we could just spend some time today – Talking what is the church or what is church. And I don't mean here either. Gentlemen, I will shut this podcast down. If you start getting Wisconsin, Missouri Synod, church and ministry nerd stuff. You understand? All right. We're not doing that. Uh, I'll try to keep a lid on it. I don't like that stuff. Okay. We're going to talk just what church is. All right. We can be as Wawatosin as we want. We're not Wauwatocin, but we're not going to get it. any mention of the last name peeper.
1: <laughs> on either side. And I
0: shut this thing down. Uh, Understood? Understand. Okay, Jason or Mike, uh, what is church? So, it depends on, on where you're coming
2: from. If you want to ground it in, uh, you know, the pastor is the only Minister and then the local
0: <laughs> So what you're doing here, Michael. <laughs> I'm the sorry. Church I'm, is, is very I'm like, calling Milwaukee right in now. <laughs> in the,
2: in the, the church, in a catechetical way, it, uh, what I mean by that is how you teach it. V- very easy to say, all believers everywhere of all time, right? Yep. And there's no dividing walls. So uh, the the brick walls, right? So it's not a building. Uh, the membership list. That's not. That's not a, that doesn't contain it. Uh, denominational lines does not contain it. Dare I say, not even death mm. breaks apart the one body of Christ. And so we'll talk about a church militant still fighting here on earth. The church triumphant already in heaven. We can talk about different denominations. But one church, we confess this one church. And, and I think we would all agree that it is necessary that we talk about the historical doctrinal and current um, divisions within the church denominations we call them right the names denote it. But every time we talk about that we should balance that out with the talk of one church right There is one church and how do you def- who's in and outside of this circle? Well, that's a, the kingdom. It's you can't see that kingdom this is of the heart and what we mean by that is do you, trust in God do you believe that Jesus Christ is is your savior from sins if we have have like the lowest common denominator do you trust Jesus rather than yourself for your salvation and you're in you're in so uh I still t- today in in the college level on a very like you know the, the freshman kind of thing let's just visualize this is is uh draw a big circle that's the church and then there's little circles That I draw, those are the denominations. And I draw the circle of a denomination with part of it just outside the big circle. Michael, uh, uh, Jason, you can confirm
0: Michael is actually drawing circles with his finger in the air.
2: So that you guys know what I'm doing. So, and the point there is to say if you are a Roman Catholic, a Baptist, Methodist, whatever, and you belong to a congregation, to a denomination, that does not necessarily mean that. equals you are in the church. And in fact, there are theoretically and, and certainly in, in reality people who are members of a denomination who do not yet believe or, or, or have rejected the faith. And so that's that sliver outside of the big circle in that little circle. So you could be a, a Methodist who doesn't actually trust Jesus. And I, I can't really... I can't, draw my li- I can't draw a line around that because I can't see into your heart. Those are technically called hypocrites, right? Because they are visibly, visibly in something, but they're, they're in, in reality not. And so we usually use, or often use a distinction between um, um, a visible and invisible church. The visible church is St. John's uh, Lateran Council, or... Lateran in, in uh, you know, Rome or, uh, you know, First Methodist Church of, of West Allis or or, or a denomination like the, the Southern Baptist Convention. I can see that. I can see a membership li- list. I can draw a line around that. The visible church is uh, people who truly believe, and I can't see that because I can't see into people's hearts. But well, probably a better briefly, Michael, to, let me finish yeah. but probably a better distinction is to say is to say uh invisible or visible and hidden. that's what I was just going to ask okay yeah so because the, the invisible is is sort of mystical and you don't really know. I'm still a person right and I'm still I'm still in the flesh and it's important to realize that the church still gathers right right and so it's hidden, beyond behind something that I can see. But to say it's invisible, I, I, it's an easy catechetical distinction for kids: visible and invisible. But I think it's better to say visible and hidden.
0: Yeah, and and that's what I was going to ask you to clarify too. Um, Lutherans have used visible and invisible, and I think it can be helpful and and good. But that hidden does, I think, bring some stuff out too that. That even though there may be hypocrites also among the church, right? You can't see who believes and who doesn't. That's hidden. Um, the church is a reality. It's just just like when we speak of the hidden God, Deus absconditus. It's not that God um doesn't exist. It's he exists. He's just he is he is hidden. And yeah, so it's
2: it's a way of doing theology. Yeah,
0: and Herman Sasa deals with this in some very helpful ways. Um, you hit on some stuff there. Maybe if we can just uh, um connect a little more, and I can throw it to you, Jason, and Mike hit on it already somewhat, but the the visible and hidden or visible, invisible, and the communion of saints, right? Um, in the creed, we're going to say we believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church, um we're also going to talk about the communion of saints. So we should get it in a little bit Christian and apostolic, um, but uh, what's the connection between visible, hidden, visible, invisible, and the com- commun- what is the communion of saints, Jason? Yeah,
1: <coughs> so... um Saints of course a word that just means those who are holy, right? Um and communion is really a, a, a group, right? A, a a union, um a fellowship, uh, you know, I mean it it depending on how you're using it can be um you know, um pushed a, a couple of different ways. Um but I think when when we talk communion of saints, um I think that maybe is that uh, t- the timeless nature um, especially um, of the church that we're talking about in that it extends beyond the the time of this lifetime or just those believers who are present living breathing on the earth right at this moment um, that it is the gathering of all believers, so certainly wherever they are, all those holy ones who are um, declared holy through faith in Jesus based on his work for them right um, but that those holy ones are not just that the the ones that are living and breathing are still although declared holy, battling um, their sinful flesh and and not um, fully yet uh realizing that holiness where you think about those who are um perfected uh in that um that that are no longer dealing with sin um are those who have been called out of this life those who have been called to heaven um and so that idea of all believers who have ever lived um that's, I think, a big part of that communion of saints' ideas that, that you're, you're talking about um, all those believers, not just around the world right now, but all those believers who have ever believed. And, you know, the, the sum total of them, uh, the sum total maybe of the elect would be another way to, to think about that when, when we reach the end of time, right, that, that all of those who will gather together, um, who have been made holy, declared holy, in Jesus, uh, and gather together around his throne in heaven. So so some are already there and waiting. Some are being collected um, now. Some, uh, while yet they struggle here in this world, and some are yet to be born. Um, but I would say that's maybe the the way I would think or the distinction that I would think of primarily is that kind of through time idea, um, but but recognizing that, you know, it's not just here in the world, but, you know, those who are already in heaven.
0: If I could throw it to you, Michael, then with that, sorry, I myself muted. Um, that time picture that Jason's unfolding, maybe if you can connect that a little bit to when the church gathers, how that looks or what we do then, um Precisely because, and not just—I don't simply mean by this—we have traditions from the past, but we also have a future, a known future. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think
2: that the gathering is really important, right? That this is a this is a communion. Uh, we're social creatures created by a social God, right? And uh, we are to gather, and don't let us not stop gathering together, as some of you have, right? The writer to the Hebrews says. So that gathering is, is important. The problem with the gathering is, you know, we occupy time and space, and I can't gather with somebody halfway across the, the globe, let alone somebody in a different denomination, let alone somebody who's already been in heaven. So don't underestimate the, the, the beautiful benefit of Holy Communion. Like, mm-hmm. so many times people say, well I, you know, well, I have the Word of God, then I don't need these things. And Luther was... Was uh, pretty flippant about that. He said, "Put your put your hand in your in your shirt, um, like Napoleon would, right mm-hmm. in there. and then d- is it warm? <laughs> well, then you sin. So here's God's grace. Yeah. But each of the the means of grace and uh, the the manner by which God's grace comes to us—word, absolution, baptism, communion—talks about a different." Analogy of sin, right? So the acquittal idea, in absolution. I've trespassed. The clean, unclean thing in baptism. I need the medicine, says Ambrose. I need nutrition. That that's kind of the catch-all for Holy Communion. And each of those has 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 a different, unique thing that hits you in a different way on different days and different times in your life. Um, And and one of those of Holy Communion, there are many, but one of that is to truly commune with those outside of your denomination, even though you cannot physically do it right now, those across the globe, even though you f- literally physically can't do it right now, and those already in heaven, right? This is a communion that, that is of the one body of Christ, and it's unbreakable. And we've, we've mentioned this before, but to, to minister to a widow... You know, a couple weeks after the funeral, after all the casserole dishes have been returned and the card, thank you cards have been sent out, and now it hits her, she's all alone. To say, Gertrude, next time you're in Holy Communion, I want you to know that you commune with Frank. Um, to, to have somebody of a different denomination that you know as a believer to say, So what? You can't enjoy that right here. You can't enjoy the perfect body, the perfect soul, the perfect family right here. Anyway, you get into heaven. And so it's quite literally a drop of heaven in your in your lap right now, right and and for our worship, you know, all this stuff about worship, and people are just so especially in the so-called worship wars when when we grew up thinking when I grew up seeing seeing these people battle, it's like I don't think anybody understands what worship is, and nobody's ever mined the depth of this this beautiful picture, and one of those things is that historically the church has mimicked the, the 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 worship of heaven, especially in Revelation. It's not on accident that John is put in a trance on the island of Patmos Sunday morning,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, they sing holy, 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 and they sing hallelujah, and worthy is the lamb, and there's coming into the presence of God, and we're told they, they worship, and we're told it's a communion from all people, um, and, and the fact that... Now... The debate about style is a different thing. Like, you have one side of the spectrum that says style doesn't matter, which is insulting to anybody who's any, any ever done art. Of mm-hmm. course it matters. Don't, don't just, that's an unthinking thing, right? Oh, the words matter, but not the style. Of course it matters. Um, on the other side of the spectrum is somebody who, if, if, if you're not twirling around in a chasuble and chanting in Gregorian chant, then somehow you're not Christian, that attitude stinks as well. But what's missed is this beautiful idea that we do share a commonality with people across the globe right now, of every of every denomination, of every tribe. And to hold on to, I would argue, hold on to the the core pieces of the liturgy, both in the West and the East, but mostly in the West. The Glory and Excelsis, Lord's Prayer, Kyrie Eleison, Agnus Dei, um, those kinds of things. And okay, you have a different style or whatever, but you have to sing something, you have to have something that flows together. How cool is it that I recite the same creed and pray the same prayer and sing the same songs?
0: Hear the same readings often.
2: As somebody halfway across the globe. I would argue that it is the most of all of the cultural artifacts in the history of the world, I can't prove this, but I would argue that the, the, the Western right is perhaps the most universal, even more than McDonald's and blue jeans. <laughs> and, and I think that's... And, and, and people who want to throw that out, I find extremely ignorant, and I find them extremely arrogant when they do it under the guise of being more diverse. What, what they mean is let's be about as white, upper-middle-class American 1990s you possibly can be mm. with mm. the music and the style. And it's just so, it's so frustrating. And, and it's a crying shame because underneath that, our topic today uh, is the church. Right.
0: The there, church. Was, there was a time where, can, can where sha- orange shag carpeting and olive green fridges <laughs> were really relevant and stylish. Um, but that right, that moment passes. Go ahead, Jason.
1: I was just going to say, with that, I think, um, you know, just before you sing the Sanctus in the in the liturgy, the that part of the preface, you know, in talking about joining with all the saints on earth and hosts of heaven, um, in addition to you know confessing in the creed the idea of the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, you know, you have those subtle reminders that that sometimes you're tempted to. Well, it's just part of the routine, and you know we're getting through this to the next thing. But, but think about that for a minute. You know that um, all those, all those who, you know, um, are joining in this worship on Earth, singing this biblical the the words of the biblical song, the Sanctus, right? The Holy, Holy, Holy. Angels are singing this. Yeah, yeah but n- but not just those on Earth; those yeah. also in heaven, which includes angels, uh, and archangels, but also the saints, right? That, that are, that are there. And, and I think that, um, is one of those things that should give you pause just a little bit when you, when, when you hear that and don't just quickly pass it by and get to the next song type of thing. Um, and I think that we had, um, a neat experience on, um, one of the, the, this was the, clergy familiarization tour that I went on so there are a bunch of other pastors and, but it was also a few others you know and pastors wives and things like that that we, we had got to go to a state church worship service in Germany uh, and you know it was um, pretty standard service but even my, uh, my wife as well as a few others who don't speak a lick of German could follow along yeah. with what was going on in the service um, and then it was really interesting because the the, the Anya's day was not only okay, yeah, I can follow where this is, but it was like the melody right out of the the TLH hymnal, yeah. you know. That's like, wait, I've sung this, <laughs> I've sung this very song before, you know, not just the words. But
2: and, and, and another ignorant thing that drives me nuts is people say, "Well, this is Northern European, or this is American." There's certain things that that are that way, but like, no, it's actually biblical and if you really want to make it it's it's more jewish than anything Mm -hmm. and the stuff's coming from the the seder meal and the and and the jewish synagogue service and it's just such an opportunity to do that and and it's it's a unique thing let's say late modern american with all the consumerism that comes with that and the, the hyper individuality and the and the idea that everything that is old is is bad so it's a unique time that we grew up in where people really were dismissive of a beautiful gift that was handed to them. Now, with that said, wasn't taught, wasn't refreshed, wasn't respected by generations before that. And so, you know, shame on them a little bit too. But I know maybe you didn't want to get only, only into worship here when talking about the church. But the church, what does the church do? Well, it worships. And so I don't right. know that you can talk about the church, and especially its connection with, with the church in heaven, right—the the militant right. to triumph—without talking about this, because that's what that's what John's has been revealed to John in Revelation. It's a right. worship experience. No,
0: and I want us to circle back to and talk marks of the church too yeah. in connection. All right, give me a moment here, boys. I want to expand on a a little bit of a point that you guys made um, regarding the fact that uh, the communion of saints and we may have divisions amongst us now um, and we're not able necessarily to uh, for all churches, Christian churches on earth to be in fellowship, altar and pulpit fellowship now um, we won't get into the uh, the unit concept <laughs> I was gonna
1: say Brandon, it almost sounded like you were going oh.
0: <laughs> um, but I do think uh Sometimes confessional Lutherans, and I would say our synod, gets an unfair um, caricature presented of what we uh, practice um, or teach. And I think people get the notion, right, that we think there's a small heaven. Um, the confessional right. Lutherans think mm-hmm. there's a, a small heaven. And I would argue that Lutherans maybe have the biggest heaven outside of you know, universalism that there is, Uh when historically the Lutheran Church has not um, tried to proselytize mm-hmm. Christians from other denominations, we don't, you know, set up a church next to the Methodist Church and try to poach members. Um, we think if someone has faith in Christ, then then they're, they're saved, they're going to heaven. Now, we want to be clear that there's differences in teaching, and we're not saying those differences are unimportant. And so we might not have altar and pulpit fellowship with other Christians But as Michael was unpacking, and and here I think it's important for people to remember, too, um, we'll use Wisconsin and Missouri synods. So Wisconsin and Missouri Synod are not an an alternate pulpit fellowship. Um, You may, the Wisconsin Synod member, may go to a Missouri Synod church or vice versa and not commune that, that Sunday, right, because there are differences, right, in teaching, which both Synod presidents have been pretty frank about and there's been good discussions. And yet, they do commune together, mm-hmm. right? They are of the one communion of the saints. And that's the hiddenness, yeah. right, sometimes of this. So there, there is the visible, and, and it, it, it can be hard um, to go, and, and you know, I, I believe in the real presence. I, I you know, I want, I want the, the body and blood of Christ for the forgiveness of sins, too. And I would always tell people also, you have the forgiveness of sins. The Lord's Supper is not the only mm-hmm. means but it's it's very good that you're hungering for it, mm-hmm. right? And
2: um, and you would, in certain circumstances, commune that person because right the main there are is pastoral situations that so would come up.
0: I want us to not get too church and ministry and fellowship are two things I've never really wanted to do an episode on, so I don't want to get lost in it. Um, although you guys can go there if you yeah. want to, but and you, uh,
1: get, and you can get into the weeds pretty quickly, right? And that's what I mean. I don't topics, mean like yeah. those as
0: big topics, yeah. but just if Absolutely. we get inside baseball, you yep. know, yep. 20th century Lutheranism. But uh, but just that that and when Lutherans confess, when confessional Lutherans confess, when Wisconsin Lutherans confess, the communion of saints, right? We're not. Um, we believe there's a. A big heaven. Um, we do not believe one is saved by their denomination. That's where you sometimes hear that stupid joke. And you hear it about other denominations too, but, you know, someone dies and goes to heaven, and St. Peter's giving them the tour. And, uh, and he gets over to the one corner, and he says, shh, be quiet. And they say, why? And he says, that's what the Wisconsin the Lutherans, they think they're the only ones here. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like back in the 90s when people would say, how many Wells people does it take to change a light bulb? Change? What's that? (laughs) (laughs) And then they boomers continue to just take an axe to the church. Uh, Can I can I say
2: one more (laughs) classic boomer stuff? Like uh, the opposite side was like, but you know what uh, was Einstein said about um, insanity? insanity. Doing the same thing over and over again, and that was as cheap of a way to get their way.
0: But to be fair. (laughs) They were true prophets because if they had not ushered us into this this new age of adaptability and change, we might not have hemorrhaged one hundred thousand members or whatever it was <laughs> um, in this panel a couple decades. So we really we appreciate it. I apologize to boomer listeners. I'm not blaming. I'm not. Well, I am blaming some of you, but <laughs> um,
2: every generation has some blind spots and right. some good and some good things. You just. It's, it's, it's low, it was it low hanging. Fruit it though.
0: wasn't all boomers by any means, but you just have to realize, coming through the system in a certain age, an era, we were like until until the, the real budget crisis hit, we were kind of like you know, just bombarded with these optimistic, we're gonna do new things in great ways and whatever, and um, and so mm. that's probably where the edge comes from. And to, I I fully so, hope yeah. I hope Michael that when I'm eighty and you're eighty. Yeah. And when Jason's 80, the, the next generation is... They make fun of yeah, us. Yep, they are making fun for of us and blame our, us. For our, for our blind spots. Yep, yeah, and we, I'm, sh- <laughs> I'm sure we have them. Um, I just hope we're not as blatantly optimistic about
2: ourselves as... <laughs> right. Oh, no, I'm not. Yeah.
0: No. Uh, I would say, too, in that connection as well, right, when Paul talks about there's one baptism, and, and right, Lutherans don't re-baptize people who've been baptized yeah. with water in the name of the triune God. Yeah. In a church that confesses the Trinity, um, that is, right, a confession of the church as a whole. A baptism is baptism. That's the, that's the significance of when a church says you have to be rebaptized. Yep. They're de churching that other church. If someone's telling you you have to be rebaptized, they're saying whatever church you were baptized in isn't church. They may not realize they're saying that, but that's what, they're, that's what they're saying.
2: Very often, especially in baptism, it's not really about like infant baptism or re-baptism.
0: There's usually a doctrine underneath it, original sin or the church. Right. And so um, the church is one, and yet it also is many. We talked about visible, hidden, vis- uh, visible, invisible.
2: And, and maybe just one little point here, when, when people are, are upset about this, and rightfully so, and, and want to change that, they, they want heaven on earth. Right. They, it's, it's like saying, yep. I want my resurrected body right now because I deser, I, that's what I want, that's what you promised me, and I'm sick of being sick. Well, in the same way if you're saying, I don't want a broken church anymore where we can all get around, you're like, well, th- th- you have it, just like you have the resurrected body. You just got to wait already, but not yet.
0: Right, and, and yeah. that, I, something I see that's beneficial in our day or that I think is good, a good development, is there is um, growing. There's less parochialism in our midst. Mm-hmm. I think there's less fear of like, like we talking with others, other and yeah, and and I think already when we were at seminary, there was good ways that that was beginning to open up. You know, um, in that way, this is not to say, uh, you know, if if you get out of seminary and you're the young new you know pastor in town you shouldn't get to know the other pastors. Now, maybe you don't go to the prayer breakfast and you know, whatever else, and or, or you go, but you don't get sucked into the, you know. Give it a few years yeah. before you. Yeah, but to, to get to know outdoors. the other pastors in the area, I mean, for the for Pete's sake, you know, if if you're in an area where, where there's just not a lot of Lutherans and um, you're a Missouri Synod pastor, reach out to the, the Wells pastor in the area see if you want to get a coffee or a beer, vice versa. Um, there's nothing to say that there aren't that there can't be those relationships as well. It's just, as Mike is saying with I want my resurrected body now, the sad reality is that um, ecclesiastically there's there's not um, I'll put it, altar and pulpit fellowship. There's not full fellowship uh, while we are still of the one communion of, of saints. Why do you keep yeah. saying altar and
2: pulpit? Are there levels of fellowship? I don't know.
1: <laughs>
0: All right, I don't. No. I don't have a Missouri Senate song, so
2: I'll just play this one. <laughs> I didn't know. If, why? Why do you put a right?
0: Well, right. because Qualifier what I'm getting there. at yep. is, I think that that's. <laughs> I think that's where the rubber hits the road for most people is they go somewhere, and they're told they can't commune, or, you know, that we're not. Why can't we just have the pastor from down the street come preach? We won't get into they prayer get now, their, they but they I will get, say our teaching on fellowship and prayer is misrepresented. Pretty grossly often by others or partly because it's also misrepresented by our own
1: yeah i was gonna say because (laughs) people sometimes Uh, and Um, i I was gonna say too maybe just you know one other thing just kind of in talking about all these the the many parts of the church um i think you know to say you know really the bible only teaches that there is one church but this idea of understanding some of these distinctions that we talk about can be really helpful uh, maybe you
0: can hit on in this connection, Jason. Sure. Um, so we just had Synod Conventions. Missouri Synod, Wisconsin Synod did. I'm sure other church bodies have. And we, both church bodies, recognized fellowship with other church bodies. Mm-hmm. And I think there's maybe something to this, what you're getting at, in that we say we recognize fellowship. Not like we just created fellowship. Um, but go ahead if that...
1: Yeah, so I mean, I think that's that's recognizing that, <clears throat> you know, in these... You know, two separate visible church bodies. You know that that visible denominations that you recognize that say we are believing and teaching, confessing the same things, right? That that um, we are on the same page uh, when it comes to you know what Scripture says, um, and as a result, we're we're recognizing, you know you you are brothers and sisters in faith, you know, with us and we are brothers and sisters in faith with you, which by entering into this, you know, um fellowship arrangement, recognizing that fellowship between each other, you're also saying, you know, I wa- I want you to treat me as a brother or sister, right? You know, to say that if I if I start to stray, that you're, you you maybe tap me on the shoulder or kick me on the backside if i need it to um get back in line right um uh that you maybe help and encourage um when things are when we're when we're having to struggle in this area or that area uh and those um and and i should say maybe reckon understanding too that you know um recognizing fellowship is oftentimes um not just between, between two groups, but if there's maybe mm-hmm. multiple groups involved, mm-hmm. that you know, if you're, if you're in fellowship with one group, then presumably you're going to be in agreement, you're recognizing fellowship with all groups that they're
0: yep. in agreement one with. One day when we do, I will permit an episode on the Synodical Conference. Oh, that would That's be... That's going to get yeah. real fun, breaking that, that down. Yep. All right, we're at... I'm sick that day. <laughs> we're <laughs> about 10 minutes that we have left, and I want to throw this back to Michael. Um... But first, I just want to hit out a couple things. So we do say Christian and apostolic. Yeah. When we Now, sometimes people will say, oh, those Protestants or Lutherans, they changed Catholic to Christian. My understanding is that in, in the German north, Christian is just what was used. And so that would have been what the Reformation inherited. Um, but we do refer to the church being Christian or Catholic, small c, Catholic and apostolic, um, Catholic meaning universal, and we've talked a lot about the universality of the church, apostolic meaning that uh, we are preaching and teaching what the apostles preached and taught and wrote down for us in Scripture, Um, and that the church still has that apostolic commission to go and make disciples of all nations. So we're Christian and apostolic, or Catholic and apostolic. Um, But when we talk church too, That ecclesia gets at something that Mike hit before, that it's a gathering, it's an assembly, it's a calling out into something. Um, And and maybe if we could hit on with that, I'm going to quick read the marks of the church as Luther gives them, if that's okay, Michael. And I'll throw it to you and you guys can see what you have. But in 1539 and on the councils and the churches, Luther gives seven kind of marks of the church. The preached word, baptism, the sacrament of the altar, the keys in confession, the making of ministers who give these gifts, right? These are all gathering together, um, corporate things. And then the prayer, prayer and the cross. Prayer can be corporate or individual. The cross can be corporate. Sometimes the church suffers together or individual. Um, But notice the means of grace, how we get grace, baptism, Lord's Supper, preaching, um, the keys, are there. Um, And so it's Christian and apostolic, Catholic and apostolic. It's a... Gathering uh, and it has these marks that Luther will talk about, and I'll throw it first to you, Michael, and then we can maybe go to Jason, and then we'll wrap up. Any thoughts on any of yeah, that?
2: Yeah, I'd like to come back to apostolic because I think that that I got some things to say about that. Uh, but the marks of the church, right? It's it's almost like just listening his catechism, <laughs> mm, right, mm. you know, in a lot of ways. Um, you know, if we would update that, um, you know, of course we would add, uh, you know, political power and. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: In his day, that would would have been quite a quite a shock that it wasn't the political power, it wasn't uh, an institution, it wasn't. So that would the be man. a huge one, yeah. Right, right? Yeah, and so he he does leave that out, and and in a way, in a way, replaces it with the cross,
0: mm. right? And and what, what and not the maybe you can hit on Michael, not the cross like the T up front of right, church, but the T the
2: the cross that we we bear. By giving us one of those things that Jesus promised us, suffering, He promised. So notice that what what Luther's doing there, what the, the Lutherans were doing there, is just where in where in the Bible do we have a promise of what the church is gonna is gonna be? Right? You could say, wherever two or three to gather, there is you know in their name. Okay, now what is the mark that of, of this gathering? Well, you gotta have the the means of grace, because otherwise that's how you're gonna get faith, right? Um, and people pray, right? That's what—that's the natural. You have a connection with God. You may even want to expand that to. This is the life of a Christian, right? I mean, you could—you could probably put vocation in under there, either there or the cross, if you wanted to. Um, but there's a promise that you would suffer. Not—I'm not talking like we seek martyrdom today, like this kind of uh, soft martyrdom, you know, like the, the world's. World's going to hell in a handbasket and if they would just put the Ten Commandments up and you know that kind of stuff, but that there—it's not going to be easy, right? This is not the church triumphant, and so—and there is a truth to the matter if you—if you're not speaking, if everything's nice, maybe you're not speaking the truth, right? So th- those marks are really important, and and I, I'll try not to steal anybody's thunder here, but the apostolic word is very like why the piling up of words in the in the creed, why. Well, the apostolic church is important because that, it's, it's an eyewitness testimony that we, that we build upon. And we can rightfully say Jesus Christ is the foundation of the church, but in fact, the scriptures talk about it as the apostles being the foundation and Christ being the chief cornerstone. I don't want to read too much into that. But the idea there is this is eyewitness testimony, so this is, has apologetic value. But also, we should not just...
0: And Mike says that as a member of the Institute for (laughs) Lutheran Apologetics.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Um, We should not uh, turn up our nose either at apostolic succession. Now, what a Roman Catholic means by, by this is that I, as a pastor, can trace my ordination all the way back to one of the apostles. So this guy ordained, this guy, you know, Paul... Ordained Linus or whatever, and then all which the is way
0: comical the when you do real yeah. history with R- those R- last two. Yes, yeah. sort it, of it.
2: ridiculous. Um, and falacious so, Flacius
0: wrote. I know you want a Flacius reference. Yeah. this was very important for yeah. Flacius' yeah. uh, church history work. But go ahead. Yeah,
2: and and then if if you we were going to seek fellowship with the Roman Catholic Church, and your guys were not in that apostolic succession, we sort of need to reordain you, or like ordain the top guy, and then to somehow I don't know, like. Retroactive, Retroactive. <laughs> Tr- trickle <laughs> down ordination. <Yes>. Yeah.
0: So, <laughs> which is not it's the point. the, the regonomics <laughs> of uh, ecclesiastical. Uh, <laughs> well, we should not turn <laughs> our
2: nose up at the idea of ap- the apostolic succession of teaching. We are not teaching something new. We are not sectarian, and the testimony is handed down from generation to generation by real people who used real voices, who printed real Bibles, who really did Holy Communion and really baptized. And so like even when we think about Peter, the church being built on, on the rock, not Peter himself, but on his confession, that's what we're talking about. But that confession was spoken by Peter yeah. through the Holy Spirit. It came from a real person. And so you you, you got to thread that needle a little bit in a similar way that we made a big stink about invisible's fine, but hidden's better. It's a, there's a physical reality.
1: I think, you know, with some of that too, the w- when apostolic enters into the creed, right? I mean, it's, it's at this time of controversy, right? Um, and this, you know, our, who, who is teaching correctly according to what the apostles taught is it the guys that are in favor of nicaea or is it the guys that are you know leaning more toward those arian tendencies and stuff like that and and you know recognizing too that um the apostles teaching i mean there there are people that not necessarily alive at that point that would have known the apostles themselves but that would have known guys that were taught by, you know, you're you're a a generation or two removed from actual hearing the voices of the apostles. John, especially, you know, since he would have lived, you know, to the end of that first century, maybe even into the second, um, uh, at least a little bit. Um, You know, there's some, this idea of recognizing, you know, like, hey, you know, this is not what, the Apostles would have said. This is not how the Apostles would have done it. Um, It's ramifications for the canon here. Yeah, and and we're, you know, that that part of apostolic teaching grows less and less with each succeeding generation, while the part that's encompassed by scriptural writing, the writings of the canon, grows bigger and bigger, um, not because there's more of them, but because that begins to exert more influence right but but this idea of you know recognizing are we really teaching what the apostles taught Mm -hmm. that was a big deal um and and to say you know um because there and this is one of the things i had a chance to dig into a little bit this last semester um you know i mean there's some things that the Arians said that are pretty darn biblical Mm -hmm. you know in the sense that you can you can their arguments from scripture are yeah. Pretty well, solid.
0: They're, they're arguing over yeah. Yeah. It, it's not like one side said we're not gonna use the Bible. Right. They're each latching on yeah. to biblical yeah. concepts.
1: Yeah. But then to say, but that's not really what the apostles taught, not yeah. really what the Bible is saying. But you know, so so I mean it's just kinda interesting, you know, to 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 understand that especially in that early part of the the church, how much was involved in that <laughs> idea of Apostolic and that yeah. that passing on of teaching yeah. was huge, and
2: I, I think um, this is a, this is an occasion where or an example of where Lutherans this is the Lutheran middle road mm-hmm. where very often and, and this is not just I, I don't think really so much on the the doctrine of what we I would call Protestants non Lutheran Protestants but more of a modern. Uh, you know oh, progress history doesn't teach us anything and we get into the american scene De- you're detached from history and the always ex- the, the excuse is well that that's that's roman catholic which you could easily say that that's about the monarchy and these old you know whatever and old old world kind of things and there's there's a there's a healthy criticism there as the example of the roman catholic idea of apostolic succession it's it it's almost laughable in some in some of its some of its uh, uh, way it gets played out, but you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You miss something, and and this is what I, I I'm afraid that that American Lutherans have not always grasped in the last century is no you're just you're not just one more Protestant sect. The Lutheran confessions went way out of their way to say that they weren't. And they didn't have to. Right. And they again they did and again have
0: to. say things like, we're not innovative yep. or innovators. Yep.
2: Innovators was something wrong. The, the, it was a theological, not a cultural reformation. They didn't have to quote Augustine and Ambrose and all the rest. And they even
0: didn't have to. Even mm-hmm. the fact mm-hmm. that, they they, right. that they penned and made a confession yeah. Yeah. was in line with what Christ called the apostles to do, right? To testify to the truth, the, their very approach to this was apostolic then in that way.
2: And I do believe that as we, as we crawl our way out of the you know, apocalyptic end of the modern period,
1: <laughs>
2: um, that people, and we've already seen it in, in the Protestant church and in our culture, looking for history, looking for depth, looking for art, looking for incarnational things, looking for, and when you start thinking about the theology of the cross, vocation, the sacramental nature of the church, not throwing away history, apostolic succession in, of teaching. Hello, you know, this is what we should have been doing and what, what is the best of Lutheranism, what I would call classical Christianity. This is, we're not trying to start our own thing. We're just trying. They kicked us out. We didn't leave. Hmm. Right? right?
0: And I, I think ultimately, if we maybe can sum it up with, at the end of the day, um, if we ask what the church is, ultimately the church is where you find the forgiveness of sins, right? And the reason we hit on all these things that we're hitting on is because the church has been given this message that's nowhere else given to the world. It's been given this thing that nowhere else is is given to the world, um, which is free and full forgiveness, uh, unconditional grace. And so that's what the church is. Before we wrap up, I just want to run by you guys. I do think we need to have a Missouri Synod song. So we have come to the wells. Mm -hmm. So I would like to ask our... uh, should we use Vatican II language, our separated brethren in the Missouri Synod, um, our our friends, our brothers and sisters in the in the um, in Christ, uh, in the uh, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod? If you guys have a song that we don't know about, let us know, because like come to the wells, that was our they would play the Wells Connection after church, right? And and so that's that song is marked us. If there's a Missouri Synod song, let us know because I will start using it. But here's my suggestion because and and this is a very ecumenical choice. Because it's a, it's a song that's by a man that we gave to Missouri. Um, and so, we'll see what you guys think. Here we, here we go. OK. I just found this on YouTube. It's by Missouri Group. So better not sue us for copyright. Mm. Mm. What do you think? It's the most manliest of the hymns in there. It's you well know. cool it's got it's yeah. got a nice Missouri synod beat to it. Like, you know, we're gonna we're gonna like do some stuff. Yeah. The yeah. Missourians came over, you know, they're these tough Saxons. We're, we're gonna tell Wisconsin to get Lutheran.
2: Which they did, thank yeah, you. Yeah, and then yeah. we
0: did 'cause but they were like because they were so they had their stuff together. So what do you guys think? Yeah. That's, that could be the backup.
1: I was going to say, I, I, I would be curious to hear uh, to hear other suggestions, but that's a pretty good one.
0: Yeah, so if you are a listener, though, uh, from the Missouri Center and you have a song in mind, shoot us an email at podcast com or, or comment on Twitter or on Facebook, uh, and we will thank you in advance for that. What is the church? As I said before, at the end of the day, um, the church is where Christ is and where Christ is for sinners and for the forgiveness of Sin. So get yourself to church. Be church. You are the baptized. You are children of God. Uh, live forgiven. And as you do so, uh, dare I say, go ahead and why don't you uh, let the bird fly? I thought that was all pretty good, except for the stuff that Jason said. <laughs> oh, I'm saying it on purpose, Michael. That's the fun. They listen as long as they get to hear us make fun of Jason. What was that?
1: <laughs> I do always try to add the, the worst stuff that I can get
0: in. there. Yeah, you did a good job. Oh, good. Thanks. no. no.